This week is Parsha's Truma. Very, very chosh of a Parsha. Let's see what it comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Va'asuli mikdash v'shachanti b'soycham. Make for me a sanctuary and so that I may dwell among them. Where's the place of this part of it? Is it, is it the order that we're in or is it... I don't know. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, exactly. When did it take place? Exactly. After the eagle, before the eagle, right? Now, it's really interesting because when the actual tzivu came down from, from HaKadosh Baruch to Moshe, the Psikta the Rav Kahana tells uh, like a very, very interesting back and forth between Moshe and HaKadosh Baruch Kilu Hashem says, V'asto mikdash v'shechanti v'soycham. So b'shash amar loy. At the moment that the tzivoy came down, that the commandment came down to build me a sanctuary, nizdazeya Moshe. Moshe was shook. Literally, the, 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 the Medjish tells us that Moshe was shook out of fear. Amar Moshe loy lefnei HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He said unto the Hashem, Rebun Shalom, how is it possible? The whole world cannot retain your greatness. You're so vast, you're so amazing. How is it possible that we could build a structure that could be able to hold you? It's impossible. How is it possible for you to come down to this world? So Omar Baruch Hashem said back to him, not like the way that you're thinking. According to your actions, according to your abilities. The Chavz Chaim brings from here, brings from this magic, beautiful idea. Which is that Kaddish Baruch Hu does not have unrealistic expectations of who we are and what we are. Exactly the, the, our abilities of kafi, the amount that we can do, the best of, the, of our abilities. We're humans. And Hashem did not give the Torah specifically to the Malachim. Adarabah, he wanted to give it to humans. With our limitations and with our difficulties and with our challenges, Hashem still wanted it to be Vaasa the Mikdash. Why? V'shechanti B'soycham. But I want to understand, like, what was even Moshe, in a sense, bothered? Like, he, he reacted in such a way. What is going on between the back and forth? Like, what was the Havamin of Moshe Rabbeinu? That he couldn't understand why HaKadosh Baruch Hu could, could come down, Mishamayim La'aretz. I'll tell you what I'm saying. The Torah, the answer for the Malachim, that said, why? Oh, even better. I'll even ask a better question. A good question you're asking. I'll even, even a chug there. Which is, we have already a one time that the Abishter came down, Mishamayim La'aretz. What was that one time? Kabul Satorah. Hashem literally, now, Gemara and Sukkah says, Hashem, the Shekhinah didn't come down. But he came down. There's some level of Shekhinah that came down to this world. Why was, and it says, even by the, even by the Kapiris, by the Baran Kodesh, Hashem still didn't. So it's not like Kilu came more or less. Why was Moshe Rabbeinu, like, so shocked by the idea that Hashem could come down Shemaim Laaretz when Hashem already came down the Shemaim Laaretz? They could say well, there's a difference between doing it, you know, kavua as opposed to not kavua. One's more set, one's less set. But I still don't understand why Moshe Rabbeinu was shook. Like the, when the Medrash says, Moshe, right? We have a very similar lesson, When somebody takes a shvua, we're talking about shvuas in, in the sugi, isn't that right? When somebody takes a shvua, the Chazal tell us that when they, be, when they would say the, the, the Yud Kevavke, the world would shake. People had such a fear. That's why people, like, listen, hush the moment and listen, I'll steal your money. I'll find all the loopholes. But if you're making me take a shvua, I'm not going through with that process. Why? Because it was a real deal thing. And people were really, really concerned. So the Lushan that the Chazal uses by Nizdazeah, the world would shake. Moshe Shbenu shook the same exact way. And why couldn't he understand that Akash Baruch Hu could come down Mishamayim La'aretz to build the Mishkan? That's the question that I want to address. Yeah, you have, a qu- you have an answer? He understood since he was a Novi, he was a prophet. He understood a little bit the future. He wasn't going to be allowed into Eretz Israel because if he, if he was the one who made it, okay. 
and then it was going to last forever, then Hashem's anger would turn on the people. Maybe it was like, he understood oh. all these implications. So you, you, you I, I could maybe say that you're, 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 you're right, but if the Medjish, the Medjish, the way the Medjish explains Moshe's argument is, because the world is so vast, how is it possible to, to hold you into this world? It doesn't sound like it's coming from some type of, uh, you know, future issue. We may, may not be able to go in Israel. Get out. It, seems like, it seems to be that there's something inherent, something in its essence about Kosh Baruch not being able to come down to this world. The world can't hold you. So how could we have you? He already came down, Mishamayim Lar. That's the question. Did not understand that Hashem is in everything? You're saying how... So you're making the, strong, the question even stronger. Which is, how is it possible? Okay, how is it possible? Anyway, it? Oh. Anyway, so. so again, the Pesach tells us, in Shemoy, it says in Parshish Yisrael, Moshe went up, Hashem came down. Why is this considered such a shocking idea that a Kaddish Baruch could come down? So I want to suggest, and this is for anybody who's holding in, uh, in Greco-Roman philosophy, but all the, the famous philosopher Aristotle, Right? If you discuss, if you look through all the different, uh, you know, Western philosophies, specifically, you know, with Roman philosophy, Greek philosophy for short, they had a concept of God. Right? They had two different approaches to how they understood, number one, the creation of the world, what created that world, and, who, and how do we understand their essence. Aristotle, for example, did believe in a God, but he had a very, very different conception of God. He had a conception of God. That the way, I'll actually, I'll quote to you the word, the, ter- the terms that he uses. He uses, I mean, this was in Latin, but it's in English, right? It's a God that's in, that was called the number one, the unmoved mover. Because if you take a look at the world, there's motion in the universe, right? There's motion in the world. If you go to the water, what happens? You have the water coming in, coming out. You, have, you pour water in, the water is going to turn circle. Things are constantly in motion. Time, by definition, is always moving. So there's always something that's clear in motion. We know by any term of, of any, any form of physics, in order for something to move, something must have moved it. There's a cause and an effect. So that which caused it itself, in order to have caused everything else, can't be itself pushed. You hear? Because that means that something else was behind that. So what must have pushed all of the universe in order for anything to exist? There must have been something what he called a god, which is called an unmoved mover. It moved everything, but it itself cannot be moved. This is what he called an unmoved mover. And the term that, the, the lesson he uses, which is, I'll just finish my point, which is that of an unfeeling, removed power who is involved in self, deep self-contemplation, which means it's always thinking, because according to Aristotle, he had a whole philosophy that thought is the highest form and the most pristine form and version of everything. Okay, interesting, yeah. But uh, yeah, the idea is, is that thought is everything's perfect in the world of Machshavu. Right? When you come down to this world, things get a little bit more messy and fuzzy and things don't fit exactly and things are weird shapes. But in the world of thought, this is also, you know, Plato. Plato, the idea of forms. But that things are perfect in Machshava. They might be on the right track. You're the cave, right? Exactly. Aren't they on the right track or something? Oh, so let me explain. So let me explain. So that, that was one approach that the Greco-Romans had. Right? They had this in their philosophy. Another philosophy, a philosophical approach they had was, is that no, there are the other gods, but they're just as petty and debased and immoral and and. And, and horrible and violent as any human could possibly be. That's why you have, for example, you know, you know, Zeus, right? I don't, you know, I shouldn't say Shemus of Zara, right? Shemus of Yerkov. So you know why he, did, you know how he became God in their in their pantheon? He killed his father and ate his brothers and sisters. Okay, you have half of them are constantly being mezana with neof and all these terrible different things. They have such a horrible conception of what gods are. 
it's either one of two extremes. Either there's, an ex- there's, a, there's a conception of what created the world and could care less. And this is the, I, was, I forgot to mention this about Aristotle. He could literally care less. He's so far removed. He literally, yeah, and it's gone. And he literally could care less what goes on in Dovah Balan's life. That God, according to Aristotle, literally could care less what goes on in his life. That's what it means by he can't be moved. He's removed. Totally removed. Yeah, because if it's involved, then it means that it itself is in motion, which means something else pushed it. But it has to be that it moved it and then and it took a step back almost. It's the force which created everything, but not actually involved in anything else. And that's a very depressing reality, because it's like, it could care less what you think. The world happens, people, people get up and they die and they live and they die. They could care less. It has no interest at all what goes on in your life. That's Aristotle's perspective. Or the other perspective, they're disgusting, they're immoral, they're selfish, they all they care about is themselves. Not at all on the right track. Because the Torah has a very MS. This is the MS perspective of how we understand HaKadosh Baruch HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, yes, of course, Yoshev B'marun, is, of course, in the supernal you know, levels of Shamayim, is totally, 100%, beyond our understanding and our Havana. And yet, HaKadosh Baruch Hu cares incredibly deeply about what goes on in your life, and in your life, and in your life. Build me a sanctuary so I can be involved in you. HaKadosh Baruch Hu deeply cares about what goes on in the personal level. He cares about what you feel, what you think. Abishta cares about your struggles. Of course, he's, 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 Hashem, Hashem is Mesameach with your success. What? Yeah, of course. That's, exactly. It's all part of that Barechet. And it's interesting. This Gemara Nida tells by, 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 specifically, I believe, by, uh, by Bilam that Bilam was punished with blindness because he, of course, reached such a level of Nevuah like Moshe Rabbeinu. But when he got up to that level, he realized that Hashem cares so much about the interpersonal relationship even between a husband and wife. I'll read to the Gemara. The Gemara says, Hashem is involved and cares and even starts counting the interactions between a husband and wife. The most personal, most private, you know, exp- uh, uh, you know the relationships with the husband and wife. And Hashem, in discussions, Hashem cares every little aspect. Bilam was... was, was Stuma Ayin. He was. He was. His eyesight was taken away. He says, "I don't understand." God was Katar of a Kaddish. Hashem that was Umesharsif to Hayyim Mikdoshim. Hashem is literally so pure. This to Enosh Bilam, right? He was in one eye. That Bilam was. Bilam was so bothered. He says, "How could a Kaddish Baruch who was so pure, so beautiful?" Adar Abba, we we don't put a mezuzah by the bathroom, right? So Hashem's so pure. Why could he care? What's he? What's he put? Ugh, that's disgusting. God, why are you paying attention to that stuff? At that point, Hashem literally stabbed his eye. He says, what's wrong with you? You're looking at the wrong way. You're looking at the wrong... Eye. You see you see shakut, you see niuf, you see disgusting... I see tahira, I see kedusha. Because the Kodesh Baruch Hu cares not just about the fancy shmancy external, the, the, the holy, what we, holy parts. He cares about everything. Because Hashem cares about all aspects of our life. Besoichem literally means within ourselves. And Kedu, the Alshech tells us, you know, everyone thinks it's a Medrash, but it's really the Alshech. The Alshech says, Hashem wants to dwell within each of us. Literally, Hashem wants to know exactly what's going on. This is the Indian of, forget which, which Hasidus comes from or not, the Indian of his Baidus, of talking to Kalash Baruch Hu personally. Hashem cares. Hashem wants to hear it. It's built into the fabric of creation. Hashem wants to be involved directly. So, Apidus Mahalik is beautiful. Because Hashem, it's not just that HaKadosh Baruch Hu 
said, build me a Mishkan. Build it, something fancy for me. No. Hashem is trying, to, is trying to reach out and to create a strong connection with us. Oh, I had a Misa once. I had a student. You know, he was very into archaeology and to history. He was very interesting. And he asked me, he says, Rebbe, I don't understand something. If you take a look at some of the archaeological finds in Megiddo, you can find different parts of the, you know, different archaeological sites here in Israel. A lot of the, the temples that were built a thousand years even before the Jews came to, came to Israel, they look like, they literally look, have the same, almost exact same floor plan as the Mishkan. Ah, isn't it possible that like, you know, they have this idea, we have this idea, there's nothing new about Judaism. We, uh, we're also like a, a nomadic tribe that got together, decided that, you know, we're going to get together and call ourselves Jews and you know, what binds us together is the Mishkan and we all got together. And later on, we came up with all these stories. You know, you have the Canaanites, you have the Amorites, you have the, you have the, the Phoenicians, all these people doing these things. Why, how are we any different? So, what, first of all, what, what's wrong about the question is it presumes that in order for something to be MS, it needs to be totally new. It could be the exact same floor plan as exactly the Phoenicians did a thousand years before the Jews even came here. Well, what's the difference? The difference that we claim, that the, the, the Torah perspective, is not that we build a Mishkan. That's not the Chiddush. The Chiddush is that Hashem asked us to build a Mishkan. Because for thousands of years, people were trying to build temples to reach out to Hashem. But Kalal Yisrael was the first time HaKadosh Baruch Hu reached out to the people. You hear that? That's a, very, that's a very powerful idea. It's not that Hashem, you know, uh, that we, sorry, that we built the Mishkan and said, okay, now we're going to do our, our Native American rain dancing. That's not how it works. That's not Judaism. HaKadosh Baruch Hu reached out to us. I now want to dwell among you. I want to have a shaykhist to you. I want to have a connection to you. It's a If we can reach that understanding, that level, that Hashem really cares about our personal, personal goings on. Hashem cares deeply. If you have problems, talk to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You don't think He wants to hear it? You get blind if, if, you, don't, if you don't think HaKadosh Baruch Hu cares about what goes on in personal life. That's an incorrect perspective. And no, they were not on the right path, the, the Greco-Roman uh, philosophers. No, no. Not in the slightest. Yeah, 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 of course. Not in the slightest. Totally beyond any normal understanding of how the Ebeshter fears developed. Hashem runs the world. A lot of people think like that today, that Hashem made the world, yeah. Yeah, took out, He took a step back. A lot of people say he that. built, he, he pressed the button and walked away. That's not how we view it. That's fundamentally not Yiddishkeit. And there's very little philosophical discussion about this. I mean, there is obviously how much and how little. But the point is, is that we view it, that Hashem is deeply involved. This is part of the Gimel Ikrim. In everything. That, there's obviously, there's a big discussion the Rambam discussed about Hashkach Pratis. If Hashkach Pratis applies only to Tzadikim, it does apply to only the nation, or is applied even to Yechidim individuals? Like to that level, it's a big discussion. The Rambam, right, exactly. But, yeah, just Tzadikim, but regardless, that's, but it still presumes that there's at least Hashkach for Klai Yisrael. Okay, even then, there's still, but, and you know, the, the Rambam wasn't passing like that. The Ramban, and a lot of many, many, many Rishonim hold, that no, there's an Indian of Hashkach HaPratis, a direct personal relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Mezavik Zivugim, right? Bias Pleni Lepleni, Bas Pleni Lepleni, Sadr Pleni Lepleni, every aspect. So we have difficulties, we have struggles, but it doesn't take away from the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu cares about us. So it's wise for us to open the door, and Purim is, Mamash Kippurim, why? I'm Purim, we're like the Mamash, the, the Kohen Gadol, goes Lefnaiv Lefnim. How is the Shaykh like, like Yom Kippur? Because the same way that on Yom Kippur, 
he goes into the Chayim Lefnim. For us, when we go into ourselves and we connect to our Pintalatayid, we connect to our Neshama, and we become holier Jews on Purim, that comes out in beauty. That's what you know. That's already at that point in Uman Hedar Marakoyin, when the Koyin came out of the, the Koyin Shaktashim. That's our Nichnas Yayin, Yatzasoy. When we go into ourselves, we do the Avedis HaNefesh, the work on ourselves, when we come out, it's going to be Man, Be'emes Man Hedar. Oh, it's going to be beautiful. Shemesh Hashem Yisbarach. We should be Zoycha too. A wonderful Shabbos, Kodesh.